Ladies and gents, welcome to another episode of Optimize Your Body Podcast. Today is going to be just a solo episode with yours truly, and I'm going to be sharing with you 10 very actionable steps or tips which are going to really help you build a healthy relationship with food. I just did an awesome live training yesterday on this topic, but I'm going to break it down. I'm not going to go as deep as what I did with clients and everything, right? I wanted to give you just 10 tips and these tips and action steps are based on all the hundreds of people I've coached over the years. And not to mention, as I mentioned before, when it comes to a poor relationship with food, I used to be world's worst. And I used to really struggle with my behaviors around food. I used to restrict in the week and then essentially binge on the weekends. That went on for a couple of years, you know, in and around bodybuilding shows. So yeah, I managed to overcome that. And I learned a lot on that journey. So let's get stuck in there, my friend. I'm going to not waste any time today and get straight to the point and cut to the chase. So what I'd like to say before I get into these tips is remember this. I've said this many a times, but your relationship with food says more about your relationship with yourself than it does anything else. And what I mean by that is what you choose to actually put in your body ultimately indicates how much you really care about your body and how much you love yourself. And to be honest, as woo-woo as that sounds, in research, it shows the number one leading cause of unhappiness is lack of self-love. Number two is ego, and number three is that little voice in your head. When we talk about self-love, you really, I say this a lot, but I struggle with this myself, right? When you get negative self-talk, for example, you know, would you speak to your best friends? the way you talk to yourself sometimes. Well, the same goes for your decisions with food, right? The way you treat your body, you want to treat your body like someone you care about. And ultimately, sometimes the way we treat our body, I mean, the way I was treating my body when I was struggling with my relationship with food in terms of the copious amount of empty calories I was putting into my body, damaging my gut, damaging my mental health and everything else. Ultimately, I would never want a family member or someone close to me to go through that. You know, I would give them advice. I would say, look, something needs to change right? But sometimes we really struggle to give that advice to ourselves. And we don't actually do what we know is right. Because when it comes to your behaviors with food and essentially transforming or at least leveling up your relationship with food, it's difficult. It requires behavior change. It requires sometimes, well, not sometimes, most of the time changing your environment and fundamentally changing who you are as a person. So let's get stuck in there before I go onto a tangent and get too deep with this, right? Because I'm really passionate about this topic. And that's mainly because, well, it's my journey, but it's because of the hundreds of people I've transformed. And this is the hardest thing. Let's be honest. Any of you listening back, most of you know full well the behaviors and the relationship with food and those kind of things might even be alcohol or whatever. Essentially, the stuff outside of the gym, the lifestyle stuff, it's, it's the hardest part, right? Let's be honest for most people. So five, sorry, 10 action steps or tips, whatever you want to call them. Number one, and this is in no particular order. This is a random order, by the way, not an order of priority, completely random order here. Number one is create a pattern interrupt. So distract yourself. You need to break the pattern, the cycle. For example, when you're emotional eating, when you're eating for the sake of it, when you're ordering Uber Eats and just doing it, when you know for a while you're not hungry and you're falling into those bad destructive patterns, let's be honest, it's very easy to just have that, especially those processed foods that are designed to make us overeat, as I've said before. So when you're doing that every single day, it gets hard to break the pattern because those foods and those processes that we cement into our brain essentially hijack our brain, hijack the real signals, the built-in signals that we have, which actually tell us when we're satiated, when we're full, 
<clears throat> and to stop eating. You've got to disrupt that pattern. What feeling are you looking for? We'll get into this next. You're looking for a certain type of feeling when you're overeating, my friend. Whether that be you want to feel relaxed because you're stressed. You're lonely, so you want to escape that feeling. You are bored, and you don't want to be bored anymore, right? Food is the most abused drug on the planet, 100%. Might sound a bit extreme, but that's that's a fact. There's, there's no way to, to deny that. So disrupt the pattern by distracting yourself. Go for a walk. Do some meditation. Put some music on. I was saying to clients yesterday, right? Obviously, I'm a black belt now with this stuff, ladies and gents. I can say this openly. But the way I will interrupt the pattern, because ultimately what we're looking to do is change our state. Whenever we're either reaching for food or alcohol, whatever that is, we're looking to change our state. Even when we go to train, like for me, I go to train because I want to change my state for the better, but it can be for better or for worse. So what I'll do is I'll, I'm fortunate enough to work at home. I'll pump some music for 10 minutes, get my rubber bands out. Everyone knows how much I love the resistance bands. I'll do some press-ups, do some squats, get a band out, get a pump on, get some blood flow to the brain, change my state. And then guess what? I realize, I know I'm not hungry anyway, but I'll trick my brain into, oh, you know, I want some dark chocolate. I'm actually hungry, but I never am, to be honest, right? Um, or just go for a walk or do a hobby that you enjoy. You've got to interrupt the pattern and ultimately you're going to get good feelings from other things other than food, right? Number two is simply when you're reaching for food or when you're looking for snacks, simply ask yourself first and foremost, am I actually hungry? Stop. It's hard to do. Sounds easy. When you're reaching for food and you only have already decided in your head that you're going to have some, you know that one? We've had your dinner, but by the time you finish your dinner, you've already decided in your head or you've already bought some food. You've already decided you're going to have it when you know you don't need it. And it's not to say you're going to be perfect. You need to be flexible. You know, when you've already decided and then you have it and you're like, why did I buy that? Why did I eat it? You've already decided in your head that you're going to have it. You know that one, don't you? But take, um, ask yourself, are you actually hungry? Because, you know, for the most part, you're not. Simply just stop when you're reaching for food or looking through the fridge. Am I actually hungry, Martin, right now? You know, do that. It's hard. Right. And you might even like yourself and say, yeah, I'm hungry. Eat and then go, no, nah, I wasn't hungry. Right. But even stopping and having the awareness is the first step. I would do that. We'll do that first and then just take five deep breaths. Five deep breaths. In through the nose, help through the mouth. Sorry, had a bit of a runny nose. I had to turn the uh, thing on mute. <laughs> In through the nose, out through the mouth. And five deep breaths. And ask yourself, just, just feel whatever feeling you're feeling. That was a lot of feels then in one sentence. Um, pay attention to whatever feel feeling that you are actually experiencing in that moment. Take those five deep breaths. Am I feeling lonely? Am I feeling stressed? Am I feeling anxious? Do that, and it will give you that awareness to then connect the dots as to why you're actually in that food. That takes me on to the next point, number three. Blast. Remember this, right? Blast, B-L-A-S-T. Five words there, right? all relating to emotional hunger, right? Which isn't true hunger. It's almost good to describe emotional hunger or emotional eating. It's just fake hunger, right? It's not real hunger. Blast. The first one is boredom. L is lonely. A is angry. I guess you could use angry or anxious for that one. Oh, no, just stick with angry. S is stressed. And T is tired, right? Blast. Remember that. Go through that word in your head. Blast, blast. Am I feeling any of those emotions? Bored, lonely, angry. Stressed, tired. It's normally one of those five emotions, my friend, um, when it's emotional eating. So simply stop and do that and ask yourself and go through that blast method. Number four, this might sound a bit controversial, 
if you're looking to lose facts, and a lot of you listening to this would love to get leaner, let's be honest. It's not like playing any games here. Yeah, you want to improve the relationship with food. And the number one thing for probably most people here, most people are growth-minded. You want to feel good, right? But let's be honest, when you're leaner, you feel better, right? Let's, let's cut the bullshit. So essentially, stop restricting calories is number four. You know, if you feel like you're constantly in a diet mindset, you know, you feel like you're dieting down or restricting to try and get leaner, but you can't sustain that, you need to change your approach, my friend, right? You need to focus on eating more whole foods, like I always say, rather than restricting and taking away all of your favorite foods. The latter is not sustainable. Taking away all your favorite foods, eliminating alcohol forever if you're someone who drinks quite regularly. Be realistic, my friend. I'm just going to be straight up with you here because you know I like giving the straight talk on this podcast. Um, stop bullshitting yourself. And believe in your own bullshit. You're not going to do that ever. I don't care how strict you are. You don't just hit the button and cut everything out. Behavior change doesn't work like that. Get realistic, all right? So essentially, sustainability is key. So stop restricting calories, right? And if you, don't get me wrong, if you want to get leaner, you've got to be in a calorie deficit. So you've got to calorie restrict, but you've got to do that unintentionally in my eyes. If you're doing that intentionally and it's not working for you, if it's working for you, fantastic. Ignore me, right? If you're in great shape, you get lean, you can stay lean all year round, congrats. Most people can't. Stop restricting calories, get out of that diet mindset, start adding in protein, adding in whole foods, um, and stop being overly restrictive and, and, and telling yourself, I can't have this, I can't have that. Doesn't work long-term. Number five, <clears throat> this is more of a tactical one, which I say time and time again, don't keep stress foods in, sorry, stress foods, don't keep snacks or processed foods in the house, right? Any foods that called you overeat, get them out of the house, place the barrier in the way, right? And do you know what I've done in the past? I've mentioned this before. I've actually given clients to actually given clients permission to go to the shop. Sometimes they'd have to get in their car to get to the shop because they haven't got one close by. Um, once they finish their food or if they fancy a snack, by all means, you've got permission to go drive to the shop uh, and get yourself, if they want a chocolate, if they want chocolate for whatever, get yourself a small bar of chocolate. Don't get the family bag. That's not included. I'm not giving you permission to do that for obvious reasons, right? <laughs> Go and get a small chocolate bar, or if you want a cookie, don't get a don't get a box of cookies or you know uh, uh, one of those packets of cookies. Get one cookie, two cookies, whatever. Um, I don't even know if you can do that nowadays, can you? Um, anyway, you know what I mean, right? So you've got permission to do that, but place the barrier in the way and get all of those foods out the house. In fact, if you struggle with this and you overeat and you eat foods which are going against what your goal is um, and holding you back from building a healthy relationship with food, pause a podcast and empty a snack drawer right away. Just do it. Stop bullshitting yourself. Get rid of that attachment and chuck them in the bin. Step number six, don't eat in front of the TV and don't scroll on your phone when you're eating. Most people do this. I think over 70% of people scroll on their phone or eat mindlessly or eat in front of the TV. Now, don't get me wrong. You've got to be realistic here. Remember, all of these points I'm giving you, you're not going to implement any more than one of these at any given time. Or have that you can have the awareness. You could maybe two, because a lot of them are just awareness. You could you could maybe have the awareness on one of these points and remember it, and it could be helpful and implement one other point. Just remember that, right? You're not going to implement all of these one or two. Fantastic, that's a huge win. But and even not eating in front of the TV, you know, to say you're going to not eat in front of the TV ever for the rest of your life after listening to this podcast, not realistic. But for the most part. Don't eat in front of the TV, my friend, right? You know, when we go to the cinema, when we eat in front of the TV, a lot of the times when we want entertainment, we associate entertainment with mouth pleasure, right? 
and stuffing food into our mouth. But research has shown this. In fact, it's one of the leading causes of overeating, um, eating mindlessly and eating in front of the TV. And I know this, again, a lot of these things, my friend, it's talking from experience, it's talking from hundreds of clients I've coached, but talking from my personal experience, I've been through pretty much all of these things that I'm talking about, right? Um, so just don't eat in front of the TV because you, you, you're much more likely to overeat. It's mindless. Uh, you're not paying attention. You're not being mindful of chewing your food. You're distracted and it's just a recipe for disaster. And then the next step then is just stop scrolling on your phone when you're eating, my friend. Uh, just stop doing that. It's an awful habit. Slouched over your phone, scrolling whilst like shoveling food down your mouth. It's a really bad habit. Change that ASAP, my friend. Listen to this podcast, listen to another podcast, listen to an audio book. That's what I do. I like to be stimulated. I'm not a weirdo, my friends. I can't just sit there bored. I'm not like, you know, even I struggle to just sit there on my own thoughts. I will do that from time to time. And it's actually really soothing. There's something I need to work on, but I like to be stimulated too. So when I'm eating my food, I will listen to a podcast, right? But I don't call my phone. It's phone. It's non-negotiable. My phone's not in sight. It's not, it's not on the table when I'm eating. So on that point as well, if you can, I know people are busy and you work. I get it. Sometimes you've got to eat in front of you. I get it totally, my friends. I, I coach a lot of high-performing, busy busy people, right? I get it. You don't live like me. I understand it. Um, sometimes you have to eat in front of your TV, uh, in front of your laptop and just crack on with the work. I get it. But when you have the opportunity to just sit down with your meal in an allocated space, if we're in the office, sit down wherever you sit down, allocated space, talk to people at the office or listen to a podcast if those people in the office you don't like, right? Um, or just sit down at your table at home and eat your food. Like make it an allocated practice, right? Knife and fork, plate ideally. I mean, you can have your Tupperware, whatever. That doesn't matter. Just sit there and eat your food. Listen to a podcast. Don't scroll on your phone. Don't eat in front of the TV. Avoid those things at all costs. Doesn't mean you're going to be perfect with these things. But when you have the opportunity to do this, do it. And you'll be way more present when you're eating. You'll actually be focused a bit more on actually chewing your food and not inhaling it. And also, you know, enzymes that you release from saliva when you're eating essentially um, play a huge part in digestion, right? Number seven, I mentioned this many a times, but keeping a food diary or, or tracking your food or even better, keeping a food journal. Now, a lot of you might be, oh, God, there's so much effort. Oh, I hate doing that. I get it. But guess what? Life's hard, right? And you've got to do some of these things to get that awareness, Right. Like I said before, I tracked probably for about six years on and off, Some sometimes leading up to comps or photo shoots, but just in general, even when I wasn't competing. And it was a game-changing experience for me in terms of having that awareness. One, in terms of how portion control, right? I can look at food now because I've tracked and weighed my food, by the way. There's value to that. Some people might go, oh, it's obsessive. All right, well, do you want to get in better shape and get healthier? No? Okay, cool. It's obsessive then. People who are out of shape, again, I'm in one of those moves today where I'm going to have a few rants. Um, people who are out of shape always tend to say that. Oh, he's obsessed. He's this, he's that. Well, I mean, are you fit and healthy? No. Okay. You're not qualified to talk on it. Um, and the reality is, you know, I've got, you You might have heard the client, uh, one of my A-grade clients, Brian, I had him on a podcast. And this is an extreme um uh, Example, I wouldn't recommend this to most people, just like Brian didn't recommend it to most. But hey, he's in incredible shape. He's super healthy, health, uh, healthy, doesn't skip workouts. It's like brushing his teeth, this stuff. And he packs a food scale, 
and takes it with him. He travels a lot with work, so he packs his food scale and takes it with him. Now, that is, it's not necessary for most people to do that, but is it going to make you more accurate with food tracking? Yeah, definitely. Are you likely to eat less calories? Yep, 100%. So you can call it obsessive, but it depends on how much you value your health and you value these things. To be honest, most people have a certain personality type and uh, almost disorders that I just wouldn't recommend that to people. Uh, but for most people, like what I was saying then, you know, weighing my food helped me understand what that looks like. So when I'm eating my meal now, I know in my head, like how much meat I'm having. Um, I don't even eat potatoes anymore. You know my journey with the carnival stuff. Not going to bore you with that. When I used to eat like sweet potatoes and white potatoes, it blew my mind when I weighed a potato, like a raw potato. And I was like, in my head, I'm like, it's got to be about 200 grams, 600 grams. All right. So, you know, you're guessing um, if you haven't done that, but that's fine. You know, guesstimating and tracking something is always going to be great anyway. Uh, but obviously there is value in weighing your food and stuff as well, right? Um, the other thing then, the next level is keeping a food journal. Um, and this is, I mean, the, the main, sorry, the other thing then with tracking is it's more a case of connecting the dots to trigger foods. And when you've had a poor sleep or when you're more stressed, you start looking at your food diary and you're like, hmm, I ate an extra 30 grams of sugar that day. Let's have a, why did I? Oh, I got it. Had a stressful day. Sleep wasn't the best the night before. Right. Makes sense. When I'm feeling anxious and stressed, I reach for these type of foods. And you start connecting the dots. And you have to have that awareness, right? You have to. There's no other way around it, right? So yeah, anyway, keeping a food diary and or food journal. With a food journal, this is um, a really good practice. Personally, I'll be honest, I've never done it, right? Uh, but I have had clients do this and it's been extremely valuable because I did this all through like just tracking my food meticulously and paying attention to things over time. It took me a lot longer doing it that way and probably a lot more pain. So perhaps I should have should have had a food journal. Um, but just after you've eaten, just writing down how you feel 30 minutes to 60 minutes after you've eaten, how do you feel? Do you feel uh, lethargic? Do you feel like your energy levels are dropping? Are you getting any bloating? Or are you feeling good? Are you feeling sharp? Mental clarity is good. You know... Um, and all those kind of things, really, like just paying attention to how you feel after you've eaten um, is is really, really important. And writing that down is is key, just like any form of journaling, even with your thoughts and uh, stress in general, just journaling period is is extremely valuable. Um, and people have done this for millennia anyway. If you look at the Stoics, um, great book called The Daily Stoic. Not sure if anyone's read any of Ryan Holiday's books. Love his books, amazing, read them all, epic. If you haven't read any, you're missing out. Um, obstacle is the way uh, is a really good one. A daily Stoic. Um, there's loads. I keep going down the list, but all the Stoics back in the day, all the main Roman Stoics uh, philosophers, Marcus Aurelius, and all those, they all were huge. Well, they found their journals, right? That's how they got all this evidence. They'd probably be mortified if they found out people found all this shit they used to write in their journals, you know. Um, but it's it's been going on for millennia, and it works. Um, anyway, that was a bit of a tangent. But ultimately, on that note of diary and food journal. You really have to pay attention to your food choices when you're stressed, tired, bored, lonely. The things I mentioned were blessed. And the only way you're going to pick up on those patterns with emotional eating uh, and, and you know, just eating for the sake of eating is and behaviors is ultimately tracking, uh, using, keeping a food diary or using, you know, my fitness pal app or whatever, um, or for the next level, keeping a food journal. Number eight, I always say this, but nourishment and performance over aesthetics. I always get my clients to pay attention to these important health markers, you know, um, energy levels, fear in their body, gut health, performance in the gym. We're meticulous with that in terms of are they getting stronger? Are they overloading the body? How are they recovering after workouts? What's their sleep like? 
You know, the more data we can get, the better, and really get my clients to focus on these things um, intuitively as well. And pay attention to all those health markers, even libido. You know, what's happening with your libido? Sometimes I'll even get them to focus on that because ultimately, if you, you know, male or female, if you've always got a low sex drive, you know, there could be other stuff going on, but ultimately something's going on there with your hormones as well. Um, you know, so when your hormones, when you've got healthy, balanced, uh, or, or good kind of hormone profile, should I say, and balanced hormones, high testosterone levels, you, you're going to have a high sex drive. So paying attention to all those things over aesthetics, right? The body is essentially the byproduct of your behaviors and your health. Number nine, change your circles, right? In terms of who you spend time with. If you've been stuck in a rut and struggling for a long time, whether that be weight loss, getting in shape, staying in shape, building a healthy relationship with food. If you feel like you're constantly falling down, you're sabotaging, you've, you're always going to fail. I'm just going to be straight up. You're always going to fail because um, a lot of times we – spend time with people, but we never, no, very rarely do we do this. Do we stop and go, hang on a minute, right? Let's have a look at how many of our values align, right? If you're listening to this, you're growth-minded, you want to better yourself, right? If you're spending most, have a look at, you know, we all know the common saying, we all know it's true as well, right? Who you spend, what is it, the five people you spend the most time with, you become those people or something like that. I've mentioned the study before with social influence, which was done on millions of people, if you have a friend who's obese, you got a 54, 52%, 52% higher chance of being obese yourself. If you've got a friend of a friend who's obese, you've got a 20% higher chance. If you've got a friend of a friend of a friend who's obese, you got a, you still got a 10% higher chance of being obese. This is done on millions of people over a 20-year period, I think, 30 years maybe. Um, it's facts. You can't deny it. So that's just an example. But do the people you spend most of your time with Literally write it down after this podcast. Like write down, who do I spend most of my time with? Write them down, those people. And then write down, what values do we, do they share the same values? Write down your top, people, most people don't even know their top five values, right? You can do that now. That'll be a good brainstorming session. If you write down your top five values, right? Is it self-improvement, uh, health, you know, integrity? Like it could be anything, right? Write them down. Do they share those values, right? If you're looking to get fit and healthy, do they value fitness and health? Do they value taking care of themselves as much as you do? Don't get me wrong. It doesn't mean like everyone you spend time with is going to, it's not realistic. Most people are just unhealthy. That's just the reality of life, right? If you look at the general population, but you have to be around those people. And that's why I always say, you know, the Optimize Your Body community has been so powerful because there's people in there who've had insane transformations, who know the struggles that other clients are going through uh, and can guide them and support them but also really inspire them more than anything. And that's the thing with me as well. It's like my, my clients, I'd like to think, look at me as an inspiration, right? And that's a lot of re why, another reason why they kind of, you know, they get results because I live this shit, right? So yeah, you got to look at that. You got to look at, do they value the same things? And, you know, your, your net worth is your network, essentially. Number 10, finally, is... If you've been spinning your wheels for a long time, right? And, you know, because you can listen to a million podcasts like this, you know, how much information and, and, and gold have you got from this podcast, right? Let's be honest. It's it's a savage podcast, right? Otherwise, you wouldn't still be listening. There's loads of great content on here. But ultimately, there's a difference between just getting information. We live in the information era. There's too much information out there nowadays, right? It's implementation, which is the key thing. Right. And from, I'm going to give you an example here. Right. I've had a mentor who I paid good money for, 
pay him handsomely, right? But I don't look at it as an outgoing because it's made me like obviously an insane amount of money, but it's fundamentally changed who I am as a person from actually having him as a mentor. Because going back to what I was saying, he inspires me a lot, right? He has a lot of values. Um, not even that. Yeah, he does. We share all the same values. He lives a lifestyle that I aspire to also live, essentially, right? So it's the lifestyle as well, right? Which you're kind of buying into. But ultimately, that influence and having someone who you look up to and have someone who, you know, because I always say this, but a wise person will not learn from their own mistakes. They'll actually, there's a saying, I'm not going to go into the saying because I'll butcher it. But long story short, a wise person will learn from other people's mistakes. Yes, you're going to make mistakes. Yes, you're going to learn from them. That's part of life. But if you can be smarter, right, learn from other people's. And that's what I've done with my mentor. He's just compacted everything into a program. There's other, you know, like world-class coaches in the program. And because of that, you know, it's been like over three years. Um, I'm still in the program because I love it and because it works, right? And it was an investment in myself. I've always been big on investing in myself. So the same goes just for any area of life, whether you're looking to build your business, um, improve your relationship, or get into great shape physically and mentally and build the best body you can build and optimize your body, right? You need to have a mentor, right? And don't get me wrong, you don't always have to pay. I mean, I'm not saying that you have to necessarily pay someone. Obviously, you could like look at you know, me as a mentor, right? Like I have, before I actually hired my mentor, I had certain podcasts I used to listen to, and there's still a few now, and I look at them as mentors. I wasn't fully aware of that at the time, but they, they've been mentors because I, they've got a lot of things that I want, essentially, right? So I follow what they've done, and it's worked. But ultimately, you know, when it comes to getting in shape, like hiring a coach um, is key. I mean, if you've been spinning your wheels for a long time and you're not getting anywhere, you know, you have to look you have to look in the mirror and go, okay, trying it myself. It's not working. I can keep trying it myself and hope for the best. But you know, let's just be honest, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over, right? And expecting a different result, uh, in the words of Albert Einstein, right? So you've got to invest in yourself. You know, if you're gonna keep a lot of times people say as well, oh, you know, it's a bit pricey. I get it. Some people can't afford coaching and stuff. I totally respect that. I I get it. But most of the time it's what you value again, right? People will spend money on online shopping. They'll spend money on fucking tattoos and a new car they don't need and bloody holidays. And I'm not here to tell you how to spend your money or tell anyone how to spend their money. But then they complain because they don't feel confident. Energy levels are shit. They won't have sex unless the lights are off. And you can keep going down the list, right? And then they haven't invested themselves and actually hired a professional to guide them to support them, to hold them accountable, to call them on their bullshit, to give them the structure they need, to put them in a community which is going to help them thrive, to keep going down the list. I mean, this is if you're going to hire a coach like me, of course. You know, this is just a shameless plug here. You can see where I'm going with this. <laughs> nah, but seriously, um, it's key, right? At some point, if you're not getting anywhere. If you are, fantastic, right? Ignore what I said. Great. If you're thriving, Ignore what I said. It doesn't apply to you, but it does apply to you in any area of life, though, ladies and gents, right? You've got to invest in yourself. It doesn't have to be fitness. Um, that's the bet. People are, you know, invest in shares, invest in prop. Great, fantastic, right? We all need to do that. But investing in yourself is the best investment you'll ever make because it's going to grow you as a person. It's going to build your character. It's going to make you better. It's going to help you make better decisions. It's going to help you produce more. This is what I get with my clients. A lot of my clients are high performers. 
they produce better work from working with me, right? Because they, we've only got a certain amount of bandwidth. We can only make a certain amount of decisions, ladies and gents, right? And just going back to one of the points there, you make about 200 decisions a day just on food alone, the average person, just on food. We make thousands of decisions every day. You've only got a certain amount of capacity with your bandwidth, right? So when you're guessing with nutrition and you're just following random workouts, you haven't got structure, you end up just spinning your wheels. Anyway, that was a bit of a tangent. Um, I was in one of those kind of ranting moods. It's getting uh, it's getting late here. You know, I'm I'm more energetic in the mornings, but I'm in a a ranty, borderline, whingy uh, mood. <laughs> you could tell my tonality was different today, right? But look, I hope those um, though one of those points, or at least a few of those points, were extremely valuable for you. And again, I'll just drop a shameless plug here, right? Because why wouldn't I tell you, just in case you didn't know, I do have a world-class coaching program and I'm going to be taking on a few more people um, before the end of this month who want to join my 90-day coaching program and who are looking to really unlock their true potential and not only get into the shape of their life physically and mentally, but really stay in shape. That's the key thing. I teach people how to not just get in shape, but to stay in shape, Right. The average person stays with me for about 13 to 15 months. 90 days, I'm going to be straight up with you. You're building the foundation. Yes, you're going to look better and you're going to get results physically. But ultimately, you're building the foundation. You're getting things moving and you're actually implementing changes within that period that you can actually sustain, right? Rome wasn't built in a day, okay? 90 days is the minimum sign up, but I am taking up, taking on a few people who want to join me on my 90-day coaching program, right? So look, all you got to do is... Drop me a DM on Instagram is the best bet with the word info. And I can't help everyone, you know, but we'd have to, we'd have to make sure we're a good fit. And then just drop me, you know, a DM with the word info and I'll tell you how everything works and ultimately make sure that we're going to be a good fit. And then we can kind of take it from there. But um, I do have a coaching inquiry form in the show notes of this podcast, as always anyway. So just if you prefer to fill out a coaching inquiry form, I'll get an email notification um, and then we can touch base that way. Um, and whilst you're in the show notes, if you do go there, well, either way, get your free training and nutrition plan. It's in the show notes and you'll also be subscribed to my newsletter then. So you'll get two really valuable, uh, newsletters a week with free resources and stuff anyway. All right, ladies and gents over and out. Thanks for listening.